How's it going, everyone? So because everyone should be practicing safe self-isolation uh, habits, uh, the H panel is going to look a little different than it usually does. As opposed to being face-to-face -face like I usually intend the show to be, we're going to just be interviewing people over S Skype. And that's just, you know, because self-isolation with this coronavirus that's going on is super serious and should not be taken lightly or as a joke. I hope all of you who are watching this are not only safe, but also very healthy. I know, you know, this time is confusing, but we're going to get through it. So with that being said, here is H-Panel episode two. I hope you guys enjoy. What's going on, guys? I'm Harry, and this is the second episode of the H-Panel, where we bring guests on to talk about all different topics surrounding mental health. Uh, today, my special guest is a person who I went to high school with, my friend Logan. Logan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. No problem at all. Uh, so before we begin, I just want to make sure that you know that everything here is recorded and posted onto YouTube. No worries. Perfect. Um, so before we really get into everything, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? So my name is Logan, as Harry just said. Um, I'm from Whitby, Ontario. I am in my fourth year of nursing at uh, Trent University, which is in Peterborough. Currently in a weird little limbo with this whole coronavirus thing, um, but hopefully I'll be graduating this year. Uh, I have a history of mental health issues, so uh, in my first year of university, I was sexually assaulted by someone I was dating, um, and at that time I couldn't really deal with the situation, so I actually stayed with my partner for, I think, two or three months afterwards, and it, um, after that he was emotionally abusive to me. Um, and during that time, it was a little too hard for me to deal with, so I kind of just slept, uh, put it under the rug and didn't deal with it for two years. Mm. But a lot of the stuff came back up to the surface, um, and so I needed to make the decision to deal with it. So I went to a counselor and started dealing with it, and honestly, it made it a lot better, but I still suffer with some PTSD when I'm out in public, when I see someone who looks like him. And then otherwise, I uh, suffer with anxiety and depression, but I've gone to pretty good handle on it over the past uh, couple years. Amazing. Awesome. So um, I know that there were a couple areas that you really wanted to kind of get into here. Um, mm -hmm. So I think the first one that we mentioned was this, the actual topic of sexual assault. So was there anything you really wanted to focus on for this talk? Um, it's a very broad topic, but yeah, it's a little awkward for some people to talk about because it, it's not comfortable for many people to speak about their like sexual relations with other people. Sometimes people feel shame about it and I myself have like had a lot of self-doubt if it even did happen. So just wanted to kind of share my own experience and like how I dealt with it. Background to it all is I was dating a partner um, kind of right after leaving a partner before that because I didn't want to deal with my emotions of like the hurt of breaking up with someone. So I kind of like took all the emotions of like love and happiness my old relationship and put it into a new one which was not a good decision but mm. it's the best I could do at that time um and it was like a friend that I knew beforehand so I felt like comfortable with them so it was just like kind of like an easy fix I felt like at the time some days though his like mood would like drastically shift where it would be like for the day before he'd be very sweet to me like say my like stomach was hurting he'd be like okay let's just hang out at home I'll get you a bunch of treats and we'll just watch movies for me to like feel loved I like being taken care of because that's what I do for other people so I like um 
receiving that from others. Right. And then, then the next day after that, I'd get the cold shoulder, and he would, like, say things, because, like, he knew me very well, say things that, like, would get under my skin and, like, that he knew would would, would hurt me, but I didn't really think anything of at that time. I was just, I would kind of, like, sweep it under the rug and be like, okay, he's just hurting, and so that's why he's saying these things, and I'd dismiss it and not really think much of it. So we went in the cycle for about three months. So, yeah, one night we all were out uh, partying late, um, got back into my dorm room probably around two I wake up early in the mornings regularly so I woke up at five still even though we went to bed late mm-hmm. and I couldn't really sleep afterwards and so by accident I woke him up because we were sharing a bed and like he was kind of upset because the night before it didn't really go how he had planned um and stuff and he really wanted to have sex and I did not feel comfortable with that because I had two people sleeping on the floor of my room mm-hmm. and like they had told me beforehand like don't do that and I was like of course that's totally appropriate like I don't want to and no one woke up because, like, I, yeah, I was silent during that. My two friends left because um, they were driving home separately. And then afterwards, like, I just, like, I didn't know how to feel about the situation. I was, like, I was hurt and I was angry and I was sad and I felt vulnerable and I felt weak. There's, like, been research now because, like, I didn't understand, like, the response that I had in that situation. But there's been research that, like, so there's a fight, flight, freeze response. And now they've all done research that there's a fawn response, which is common to women. And so to basically protect themselves, uh, women will commonly, like, comfort the person who is hurting them so that they, like, de-escalate that person. And, um, like, afterwards, like, me and him were, like, just, like, cuddling and stuff like that. And I took a shower after he was in the shower with me, and I was just, like, we were holding each other, but I was, like, crying and sobbing. But I was also trying to take care of him because that's also what I do, like, naturally. Right. And I was, like, this really, really weird situation. And, like, I just didn't know what to do. But he had to leave because he had to go back to his classes at his campus uh, for the next day. And so we kind of just, like, left it in this weird limbo. Um, Continued to date for a while. We were dating exclusively at that time, but then decided to move to an open relationship because it was just really hard to see each other. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really working for either of us, but, like, we kind of still wanted to be together. Um, so, which was fine, and we both agreed upon that, and whatever. But, like, he was allowed to sleep with other people, but I wasn't allowed to. So, like, he'd be like, oh, yeah, like, I went out to the, all these parties and stuff with all these girls this weekend. I'd be like, okay, cool, like, that's fair. But then I'd be like, yeah, I'm hooking up with this guy on my floor. And I would be, like, called, like, a whore and a slut contis- consistently. And so it was kind of, like, mind games like that and, like, other weird stuff all the time. And so it was, like, really, really confusing, and I didn't know how to deal with it. And also at that time, I wasn't really strong enough to say, like, no, this isn't right, and you're being mean and manipulative and rude and blah, blah, blah. But eventually, I think, like, two or three months after of doing all that, I eventually cut it off, which was, like, one of the best decisions I could have made because mm-hmm. it was really, really hard on me. And, like, I didn't know how to cope, so I just slept a lot and just dug into my studies. I remember in like the first three or four months of school, like basically my whole first semester, I was studying or taking a nap or eating or going to the gym. I didn't really hang out with many people. So yeah, it was, but like no one really knew what happened. And there's also like research that women will comment or people who are sexually assaulted will tell someone seven times before they actually get the courage to like fully disclose what happened to them. Yeah. So I remember like, being at the gym with my roommates and being, like, casually and just, like, making light of it, being like, oh, yeah, I was raped. 
and they'd be like, wait, what? And I'd be like, oh, never mind. Hmm. And I just, like, dismiss. But, like, I wanted help, but I didn't know how to ask for it, and that's really common for people to do. Fast forward two years, um, I started dating a new partner. Um, we kind of, like, we started dating, and then I cut him off because, like, it's really hard for me to build trust with people because of that situation. After, like, dating for a while, I decided, like, oh, no, okay, I can actually make this person a partner because I felt like I was safe around him and I could trust him, and, like, those are, like, really two key things that I need, like, with anyone I have in my life. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like, a male figure in my life. But then, because of that, a lot of, like, my emotions and, like, the trauma that I went through all came up and were all, like, all came to the surface. Like, because the big thing was, like, I, again, was having a shower with my new partner. Like, almost exactly the same way that, like, I was holding the guy who assaulted me was with this new partner. And it, it just, like, brought up all my trauma. And, like, I got out of the shower and I just, like, bawled. And he was like, wait, what just happened? Because, like, we did have an amazing day before that. It was, he took it really well, which was awesome. But he was also just, like, shocked because, like, he had no clue. Mm-hmm. Like, no one else did have that time either, though. Um, and then I decided I wanted to see a counselor. So I knew of a sexual assault counselor at my campus. And she was honestly, like, the best thing I could have ever done. She made me, like, feel very empowered and, like, made me realize, like, I'm nowhere close to, the like, the person I was two years ago. Like, I am much stronger and much more informed. I know my boundaries. I know what I want in a partner and, like, stuff like that. And, like, she really forced me to, like, work through all the emotions I had. And it was hard because it brought up my trauma because it was, like, more at the front of my brain. So when I was, like, on the bus and I was just, like, surrounded by guys, like, which like, wasn't really a thing before that, I would, like, get really anxious. That was hard because it, like, was more, I, like, I hated having to deal with it, but I had to to get better. Um, And honestly, like, it's been a lot better. And, like, I know how to cope really well when I do, like, have a panic attack. Um, Because the hardest situations for me are, like, when I'm in public and I see someone who looks like him. Yeah. I, like, just, like, my immediate thought is, like, oh, my God, what is he doing here? And I get very nervous and, like, I feel my heart racing. But usually I can calm myself down really quickly, and, like, especially if I can, like, leave the space and just be like, okay, like, they're not even around me anymore, so it doesn't matter, even if it isn't him. But um, the worst panic attack I've had as of late was when I was at a concert. I saw someone who looked like him, um, but wasn't him, and then I was drinking, and, I, and, like, I smoked and stuff like that. I was tipsy, I wasn't able to think there was people who were really loud around me the line to get out of the concert was like super slow because everyone had to go through co-check I kept getting closer to the guy who looked like him and it was making me feel more and more anxious I like went up to security and I was like can I please get out of here like faster like I'm worried I'm gonna have a panic attack and like there wasn't no way another way out so like no sorry you have to wait in line and like being told no in that situation like made me freaked out because I like I felt trapped right then I had a full panic attack but I just, like, decided I'm going to leave the line, and I went downstairs to the bathroom, and as soon as it was quiet, I could, like, think everything through, um, and I didn't feel, like, uh, sensory overload, because, like, it was just, like, way too loud, like, all the lights were up and stuff like that, and it was just, like, too much, so once I got down there, I, like, felt better, and I'm super frustrating that I can't, like, I can't go in public and enjoy, like, experiences that I love sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's basically the history of, like, what I went through. That's um, that's a crazy story, Logan. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Just like I hope other people can hopefully like relate 
like I don't I hope other people don't relate to it but if you do like you can find comfort in that someone goes through the same situations as you absolutely yeah obviously I have no knowledge in this topic whatsoever but I just feel like people involved in sexual assault would find or would would feel lonelier than people with other uh, situations going on just because they don't want to share it and they feel like they will be judged but I feel like you can definitely talk more about that than I can. It's a very confusing thing. Like, I even go through it still to this day, less than when I, when it first happened. But I used to, like, doubt myself all the time. Like, did that actually happen to me? But, like, it just didn't feel real, and it felt surreal. And then also when you go through trauma, your brain actually, like, your memory function, like, declines. And so, like, you can't fully remember all the details. Like, my memory on it all, all is, like, very foggy. Mm-hmm. But, like, I remember some details. And it's, like, also the way your, like, brain protects itself. Like, it hides it in your brain so that you're, like, not dealing with all that trauma right. constantly. It also causes a lot of confusion. Especially, like, my situation was harder because my, like, partner would tell me all the time. He'd be like, no, I didn't rape you. Like, if I raped you, you raped me another time. Because, like, one time I was very horny and I wanted to have sex. So he's like, if that, if what I did to the game was worth it, you raped me. And so it was, like, super confusing because that was a constant mind game that was always done. Yeah. I want people to know that, like, you are supported and there are supports out there. And, like, personally, like, I've chosen to, like, focus a lot of my energy on, like, knowing what those supports are and, like, how to um, be of help to someone who has been assaulted. If someone ever discloses to you if they have been assaulted, like, you have to believe them. You have to like, thank them for trusting you to tell them, tell, for telling you something so, like, intimate and, like, personal. You have to, like, ask how you can help them because that looks different for every person. Maybe that might be, like, looking through what resources are there for them, going to the hospital with them, and just, like, sitting with them and like, letting them feel whatever they're going to feel in that situation. Mm-hmm. That's really good advice that I hope uh, our audience definitely takes to heart. So I actually have yeah. a couple uh, questions from viewers, if you don't mind answering some. Okay. first one is... Um, what are some things to remember when dealing with someone who has been sexually assaulted? So kind of just like what I was talking about, like you have to believe them. You have to thank them for exper- like sharing their experience with you and then ask how you can help them. Again, like maybe it's going to the hospital with them. Maybe it's going to the police. Maybe it's just talking everything out. Someone who experiences assault is like at a very vulnerable like position and if someone is sexually assaulted, they are likely being subjected to other forms of misuse of power. So, like, they might be also, like, a victim of domestic violence, a victim of financial abuse, emotional abuse, and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Big thing is, like, I think, like, validating whatever they're feeling and, like, validating what happened and then um, ensuring their safety. Yeah, for sure. Because I feel like questioning it would just, like, make everything so much worse. Yeah, no, you're just going to have to let the person share whatever details they want, because, like, it's super traumatic to, like, relive it and think about everything. Absolutely. Um, if someone is, like, one of those people who likes to talk everything out, then let them, if you're comfortable with listening to that. You also have to, like, acknowledge it, your own boundaries. Say you're dating someone, and it happened in their past relationship, and then you learn about it, and, like, that's, like, super hard to learn about, and, like, it's hard for the person even to learn. Like, and my boyfriend went through that all, like, a lot. Right. Because he would, like, be like, how did someone do this to you? Because, like, you don't deserve it. And, like, now I want to go beat them up because, like, no one should hurt you and I want to hurt them back. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Which, like, I find is, like, 
typical kind of male response to it. Yeah. Just because, like, that's their big way of, like, showing that, like, they're there for their partner, I find. Um, but, yeah, just, like, yeah, just try to be there for them as best as I can and, like, kind of follow their, follow their lead and how to deal with it. If you're lost and they're lost and how to deal with it, just kind of, like, doing, like, a general Google search and try to find something reliable. Otherwise, calling, like, telehealth and they can help as well. Awesome. The second question here is, um, is there any way to deal with the depression that comes with this experience? And an example they put was like things to tell yourself, etc. A big thing that I told myself that was really, really helpful was like, I am not the same person that I was when that happened. And it's not my fault that it happened. Unfortunately, like, because it's more common to happen in uh, like a male sexually assaulting a female. It does happen to males as well, though. Biologically, men have power over women. Mm-hmm. And, like, they have that privilege. And so it freaking sucks, and I hate it, and I hate sitting with that all the time. I think, like, a big thing is, like, empowering yourself. Like, knowing, like, no, you are strong. Like, learn how to set your boundaries and, like, learn what is of value to you and what you don't stand for. Um, like taking the time to maybe, like, learn and go to a sexual, or not a sexual, uh, a defense course, like, uh, Mm self-defense. Like, I did that, and I found that super empowering. I'm, like, a pretty strong person. I don't look like it, so I found in a couple different situations, like, people, like, will try to take advantage of that, and I'm like, no. (laughs) And, like, I've punched someone before, because I was like, no, you don't touch me like that, and I've told you before, you're not listening. So even just knowing that you're strong enough to deal with the situation, and, like, know that you can take care of yourself in that way is a big thing. And then other things that I do, like, because I'm never not going to go to a club or go to the bar because, like, I'm worried about men doing something to me. Like, that's not going to be a thing. I'm going to still live my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Things I do now instead is, like, I never, like, get a pint of beer. I always get a beer in a beer bottle because I've also been drugged before. So I'm like, we're not letting that happen again. When I'm at the bar, I always drink out of a beer bottle and I always have my thumb over, like, the mouth just to kind of, like, give me a little bit of, like, security and, like, I don't know, takes down my anxiety. And then also on your phone, you can set up an emergency call. Like, I have never had to use it. Say if I did, like, it would automatically call, like, my mom, my sister, my boyfriend, and one of my good friends. And also it can call 911 automatically. So if I'm ever, like, feeling unsafe, not that I've had to use it, but, like, I'll just hover my hand over my lock button Mm -hmm. and just gives me a little bit of peace of mind so I think a big thing is like empowering yourself and like knowing what resources are there for you and also like not being afraid to ask for help when you need it whether that be going to like a counselor or talking to a friend or like if you feel unsafe in public going to like a security guard or even like if you're on your own finding like another female or another male and just feeling I feel unsafe right now can you just like watch out for me and I do that all the time like I've had people at the bar who, like, are really freaking aggravating, and I've, like, told them not to touch me. If I tell you and you don't listen, you're going to get repercussions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, but I think that just takes a little bit of strength and to know that, like, people are there to help, and I think, in general, people want to help. I think yeah. that's a big thing. For sure. The third question here is, how difficult was the healing process? Oh, freaking hard. Yeah. Freaking hard. Yeah, the more you deal with it, especially in the beginning, the more trauma that's brought up. 
and the more it's on your mind and the more you think of it and the more triggers that there are sometimes your triggers change and like I've recently gone through that situation where like still if I see someone in public that looks like the guy like it still scares me but I can deal with that pretty well now because I've dealt with that situation for a while but now a new situation kind of, that kind of arose, arose out of a different one if I tell you that I need to leave the room to calm down and you keep coming after me and yelling at me or like you not being able to control yourself and you have to be screaming at the top of your lungs to get your point across because you're that angry like that kind of thing it makes me feel like very scared because I don't feel like the person is in control of themselves Mm -hmm. and like that makes me like super nervous and makes me like go into like my little like fight flight or freeze response and I'm like ah I don't know what to do and it freaks me out, and I don't like it. And so for me, I ran away from that situation because I feel like that's the safest option. But that's been, a, like, a new thing that I'm now having to deal with. But you get through it, and you will. It's hard, and it's work, but it's worth it. Nice. Um, and then, well, the last one's kind of loaded. It's my own personal question. So I, okay. because I, you know, don't really have any experience here, I tried to do a little research I found this thing that, you know, states that um, one American is, you know, sexually assaulted every 73 seconds in the States. uh, And 69% of these people are under the age of 30. It also stated that uh, one out of every six women have been the victim of a rape in their lifetime. And then for Mm -hmm. in the Canadian Department of Justice, they reported that there were over 24,000 incidences of sexual assault in 2017. And the majority of these were not reported to the police. Yep. So yep. Yep. with all of that information that I just came from the top of my head, obviously, I'm kidding. Uh, but with all of this information, <laughs> um, my question to you is, what do you think the next step should be to try and lower these numbers, if not completely eradicate them? So I went to a recent conference on sexual, like by the Corpus Sexual Assault Center. And... They are now trying to reframe the language around consent, which I think is a huge thing that needs to be done, and I think it makes so much sense. Instead of thinking about consent of, like, okay, did both partners agree to this? Because, again, as we all know, there's, like, all the gray between it, like, oh, she was drunk, oh, she was asking for it, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it now is just the conversation of power. The basis of power is always there, and who's trying to manipulate it, and that kind of thing. So, basically what they were saying is when you are engaging in sexual relations with someone, is the power equal and mutual? Are both partners um, coming to the decision equally? Um, And uh, is the power equal throughout the whole situation? And again, there's a little bit of blurriness there, but um, because like, especially like within common sexual, like, sexual relations like there's usually a dominant and submissive and like that can still exist but there's like a way to go about it that's like there's still power that's equal and like both partners are agreeing and both partners like want what is occurring to continue that will help because like at the basis that's all sexual assault is like if someone is assaulting you they're using their any form of power that they can over you so and a lot of times in a fa- uh, like a male female relationship and if it's the male who's a form uh, who assaulted the other partner mm-hmm. it is they're physically stronger so they're using that power tech 
typically the male has like the power in the relationship, like they wear their pants over the relationship. It's a general norm. I think that's switching more now, but they also like they kind of call the shots more, so there's power in that. And sometimes like the male like in typical older relationships, like the male might make more than the other partner. So like again they wear the pants like I bought you dinner so you owe me sex. No. But that kind of thing, like, I think all those things exist. There needs to be a reframing, and we need to stop worrying about consent because clearly that conversation isn't working. And we've tried it, and we've tried time and time again to try to, like, reiterate, like, if she's drunk, no. If she's wearing whatever she wants, no. Like, and all those things. And, like, whatever, but, like, people keep doing it. The same thing with when people are drugged. Like, you are taking away someone's power so that they either physically can't like control themselves or they aren't able to speak up for themselves to be able to say no i know way too many women who have been like drugged like i myself have been drugged twice one of my good friends has been drugged twice and like sucks and like i take a ton of precautions but like people are like very very stealthy in the way they do it someone literally asked us where um where the atm was we looked the other direction and pointed and in that second she was drugged which is, like, so messed up. And, like, we know how to take the precautions. And, like, because I learned this stuff in school. So I'm very aware. And I'm aware of the risks. And so I do all the work to take care of it. But I was just trying to have fun at Dollar Beer Night. And I had my big picture. And so did she. So, fortunately, that's a huge, like, target. And easy enough to drug someone within. And stuff. That, I think, is a big part of it. And then also... I really, really want there to be, like, a reframing within, like, our services to help people because like I want to report the person so badly but I know because like how this like how the system works that like my situation most likely won't be believed because I don't have good memories of it so I can't tell you like exact time it happened I can't tell you even his full name because I freaking forget because that's how trauma works Mm -hmm. and then they'd be like okay what happened to the people in your room why didn't they hear it why didn't you say something blah 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 but in all that situation, I couldn't because my face was pressed into a pillow and I couldn't stop talk because I was also so traumatized. But, like, part of it sucks because I'm like, I can't do anything about it. And there's a stat that someone who rapes or sexually assaults another person will likely do it 10 more times. And so, like, I sit with that and it hurts because I'm like, I don't want that to happen to someone else. I want to speak up about it, but I don't know how. Right. And there's, like, discrepancies, especially with, like, within the police like service system where like some people are really well trained in it and they'll believe you and they'll take your information and they'll try to help but then you also find other police officers make like other person seem like a victim because like oh how dare i like ever like say something about someone else like blah 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 blah. i want to see the change there mostly i want to see like our police system get better and just that the way that they handle these situations to gain the strength to even talk about it and then to be told you're lying is, like, super traumatizing and it brings up that trauma already. Mm-hmm. Like, even speaking about it brings up that trauma and then being told that you're lying, you're like, oh, wait, did it actually happen to me? Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really amazing. Yeah, and that, like, goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, they're questioning you and that just does not help anything. It actually pushes the recovery back, if anything. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of choice in a lot of the things that they did to me because, like, I was younger then, so I didn't really know how to advocate for my own health care and how to ask what they were doing to me. And also, I felt super uncomfortable because I'm like, I didn't at that time in my life feel comfortable talking about like having sex with other people. I'm like, no, that's something I keep to myself. Mm-hmm. 
now I'm a lot more sex positive and I think it's like a part of health. And so I'm like, sexual health is part of health. So why don't we talk about it? Yeah. Um, but like back then I was like, I was just like, I felt almost victimized again. Cause I was like, I feel like I'm like being taken, like I don't have the power in this situation and I don't have a say of what's being done to me, which like was also hard. And like the same thing when I was drugged, like, they really didn't do anything for me, and I was, like, so out of it because I was drunk. My sister was there with me, and, like, literally all I did, because I was super out of it, was to shoot me, and then I would say it was either good or bad, and then I would tell her when to go tell the doctor to come see me again. Mm-hmm. But they didn't give me fluid. I was just vomiting for hours and hours and hours. Like, I think I vomited for, like, six or seven hours straight. Wow. And it was just vile at the end, and it sucked. But they didn't do anything for me because, like, there wasn't really compassion there. And, like, I asked specifically to get an IV place because I was like, I am losing so much, like, from my stomach. Like, and I'm a very small person, and I have a low blood pressure naturally. I'm worried I'm going to pass out soon. But they're like, no, you're fine. You're just going to puke it out. And I was like, okay. Wow. So I want there to be more compassion. So that's... Pretty much all I've got. I guess my final question for you, Logan, um, would be if anyone watching is going through something similar, uh, do you have any final words that you'd mm-hmm. like them to hear? I want everyone to know who they are and that they're not alone in these experiences because unfortunately, one in three women, I'm pretty sure, will be assaulted in their lives. Whether that be sexual harassment, whether that be assault, whether that be rape, like, it unfortunately happens to a large part of, like, Many, many, many women go through this. So you're not alone. And I know it sucks. And I know it's hard. But, like, you will get better. And you will find someone who does not take advantage of you like that. And you will be okay. And that there's a ton of people wanting to help you. So that's my big thing on it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Logan, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, all of us here really appreciate it. Super brave. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> At the end of each episode, we kind of give like a uh, shameless plug. If you've got anything going on with your life right now that you want to share with the audience, feel free to share it right now. All right. Well, I'm hopefully soon starting my own YouTube channel, but I can't figure out how to upload the videos, so that's going to take a hot sec. But otherwise, I have my Instagram account, which I'm trying to get popping it is inside my body and brain so i have an instagram account i have a tumblr i'm making a youtube account i have my tiktok and i have a twitter account but my instagram is the one that i'm used the most to like share anything that i'm thinking um i'm trying to like share resources that i have and personal stories so that hopefully other people can relate to them and find some comfort in that i'm also gonna do a little video on how to do like mindfulness and meditation because i feel like Especially right now, we all need to find some skills to calm down in this weird little situation we're going through. Right, yeah, for sure. Logan, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I personally really appreciate it. And your story, like to me anyway, is super inspiring. And definitely a message that I feel like we need to talk about more. Because, like, you know, sexual assault, like, it's such a serious topic. But I just feel like it's not... um, I feel like the seriousness seriousness of it, sorry, is not like emphasized nearly as much as it should be, especially yeah. in university and college and stuff. So 
Mm-hmm. And that's like really when it happens most times. That's a huge time to do it. You're at your parents' home, so you have the space to do it. And unfortunately, like you might come across people who don't respect you and take advantage of you. And so, like it should be respected. And it's like a little bit different for me for like the community that I'm in because like I work in I'm part of the nursing community, so we have a different appreciation of a lot of things. And I talk about a lot of like things related to health a lot more openly than anyone else would. Mm-hmm. But I really, really, like, want the push, like, even in our, like, elementary school programming and, like, high school programming, just to, like, let, like, sex be a normal part of conversation. I, like, want, like, from a young age for, like, kids to learn how to respect each other and, like, respect each other's boundaries and know how to set boundaries and stuff like that. I remember when I was, like, at, like, my aunt's and uncle's places, and I don't really, I've never been, like, super close to my extended family. My mom and dad would be, like, go give them a hug, and I'd be, like, no. I don't want to, but they'd be like, no, do it. Which, like, I feel like at a young age, kids know what they want and don't want, and they should be able to, like, use that choice. So, like, I feel like that also can be a part of, like, decreasing the rate of, like, assaults and stuff. I want, like, sex and, like, boundaries and, like, knowing yourself and, like, focusing on mental health to be, like, a lot larger part of, like, curriculum from a young age. Because I think it will do, like, a world of good. Yeah, absolutely. Amen to that. And with that, that is the end of our second H-Panel episode. I'm going to say it again. I don't care. Logan, thank you so much for coming on as my second guest. Really appreciate it. Uh, I will be putting all of Logan's information in the YouTube description below. Give her a follow. And uh, if you have any questions regarding this topic, she is definitely open for messaging. Way more helpful Mm -hmm. than I would be. So um, (laughs) once again, thank you. And that's it. Awesome. All right. We, I will see you Thanks. guys next episode. All right, guys. Thank you so much for watching the second episode of the H panel. That was a really important topic, and I really appreciate Logan for coming on to share her story. It was super brave. Um, I'll be posting all of her information in the YouTube description. And then other than that, all I need from you guys is to keep spreading the message. Like, comment, subscribe. I see all of your messages, and I see all the positive feedback. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, it makes everything so worth it. Just make sure to keep sharing the message, you know, um, spreading the videos around and, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. You guys are awesome. Um, I will see you guys soon with a new episode, um, of a vlog and potentially another H panel episode. We'll see other than sleeping and lying down. What do you have to do in this, uh, self isolation period? So thank you so much for watching. I'll see you guys next time.